When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Well, good day, everyone, and welcome to the Spirit of Sport. I'm your host, Jason Stevens, and our guest tonight doesn't really need an introduction. He has a lot of media commitments. He's a very popular man. He's a great man, and I'm really grateful that he's able to join us tonight. He hails from Wollongong, where all the best people in the world come from, obviously, because my wife comes from there. He was a very good footballer for both the West Tigers and the Sharks, in which he scored 53 tries in 126 first-grade games. He's a rare TV talent, I've got to say, extremely quick-witted. Probably the best I've seen on TV, along with a few other footy players who have kicked on after their career. Matty Johns would be the other one. Amazing. But he's also taken steps in the world of film, and what's coming up is, of course, The Amazing Race, which he hosts on Channel 10, which is an amazing program. Bo Ryan, welcome to the Spirit of Sport. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, mate, before we get into it, I want to ask some uh, getting-to-know-you-type questions, yeah. if that's all right. Uh, what's your first concert you've been to? First concert? <clears throat> Probably Home Bake. Home Bake. Home bake, which was like big oh, so day out. So there's a mixture, a of mixture of concerts. So I used to like. Um, well, I tried to fit in. Like at my school, I had a lot of surfies and you know little punk rockers and that little. Were you a surfer? No, but I tried to. You know, I tried to fit in. Uh, I went there home bake, and I was only about 13, 14. I went up on a train with my uncle and a few other mates. So we went there. I mean, looking back at it, the music was awful, but it was just good to be. You know. Who goes to a concert with their uncle? Well, my uncle's a bit of a... You know, everyone's got that creepy uncle. You know what I mean? They're just hanging around with young boys. I was hanging out with him because he used to you know, buy us alcohol and whatnot. So we went up there with him. I haven't so, seen him for a while. Actually. Can you remember some of the, the, the acts? Yeah. Uh, Living End were there. Living I used End. to like Living End. Um, I remember Grinspoon. I was a big fan of Grinspoon. Yeah. That, um, they were Aussie band. Aussie band, yeah. Both you know, of them Aussie bands. You know what? Because when... when they came on the footy show one yeah. year in the final, in the in the grand. Remember that? Yeah. Obviously, you know the big, yeah. uh, the really big show at the end of the year, and mm. and I confused them with what, what what's that band that that sing? Hope you had the time of your Green life. Day. The Green Day. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought they were Green nah, Day. There's about a two hundred million dollar difference. And I, <laughs> I went up to the guy yeah. and I said, "I love that song." Yeah. I love, and and he was like, "You're a dickhead. The least- you are a dickhead." And I wasn't taking the piss. I promise I wasn't. Yeah. But that's honestly, I just got confused. The lead singer, I forget his name. He's a good guy, uh, big footy fan. And I was yeah, doing a is. footy show with yeah, Joey yeah. Johns. Yeah. And, they were performing. I was excited, so I went out and met them. Met them, and Joey said to me, um, "You know, the big, big guys, big, big fans of the Footy Show, big fans of Newcastle." I said hi to him, and you know, got a photo on that. And then Joey said, "Oh, you know, he's had a, a big couple of years, the lead singer." I said to Joey, "What do you mean?" He said, "The last concert he saw him play, it was like a small concert in in Newcastle or somewhere, somewhere maybe somewhere in Sydney. He was that off his face that he came out to perform, 
and he performed the first song or first two songs facing the drummer. He was that off his head. So the crowd were clapping and waiting and then the, the guitarist walked up and spun him around to face the crowd and then he continued on with the gig. Oh my God. <laughs> That's how off his head he was. <laughs> are they around anymore? Joey's kind of guy. Uh, oh, they are. Kind of no, they brought out a new album. They brought out a new album, but they did a tour last year. I know it was last year or the year before, and I got a couple of mates I grew up with that went to the lot of you know a lot of the songs we grew up with. Um, I think they're just playing a lot of their old stuff. They are still around. They, they I mean, they go to. So they're people, not from Huey. Are they from Huey? I think he might be the, the oh. lead singer. I've got a feeling someone's from Adelaide, but they're from Australia. Because Screaming Jets are they from? Screaming from Jets from. Um, they're from. They're, they're the big Saints fans. Yeah. Dave Gleason. Dave Gleason's from everywhere. I went. I went to a. I, I watched him play. Yeah. Nah. He. No. Uh, they might be from Newcastle. Yeah, right, right. I can't remember. Nah, but they... Um, Do you remember Joey Johns after the grand final? He was... After they won that 97 grand final, how he was knocking on the door of... Daniel uh, Johns. Daniel Johns. <laughs> 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 I, like, <laughs> I spoke to Joey yesterday, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. He's yeah. the best player of all time, mate. I'm and sorry. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care either. I don't care what anyone says. And I love Jonathan Thurston. You talk... I, I love, love him. But people get blinded by the, the personality of someone and then... Um, they're good heart. Like Jonathan Thurston, you won't hear a bad word about him. He's just a wonderful person. I'm not saying Joey's not. Joey Johns is one of the nicest guys I know. He, oh, if, you, he was, if, if he's in your circle and if he talks, if he's friends with you, no, he, was, he would do anything for you. Um, unfortunately, stuff he'd done off the field before before my time and before uh, he worked in TV, you know, scarred him a little bit and scarred other people. Yeah. But, but, bro, yeah, but his he, football ability. Oh, yeah. I, I asked yeah. at um, Gal's testimonial, you ask Darren Lockyer, you ask JT, you ask the best of the best, and they all, they all love each other because they're Queenslanders and insular. But you ask them about who was the hardest person to play, and they all say Joey Johns. Absolutely, because you, you got to remember, like, you, as a front rower, I'm I'm looking at the new when I'm looking at the Newcastle pack, I'm looking at Josh Perry, I'm looking at all these big strong guys, mm. and then on the fringe, you're looking at Andrew Johns running when you're about to take the ball up. I'm not, I didn't, I never ran at Andrew Johns because he always picked mm. me up and drove me. But not so with the other. I'd always like get a good forward lean on Ben Kennedy, on on Josh, all those guys. But I, and they're they're good hitters. Don't get me wrong. But nah. Joey John's defence as well as attack was it was extraordinary. I wish I played. That's uh, that's a regret. I wish I played against him. Oh, you John never, you never just missed chance. him by oh. by six months. Yeah, started oh. in a, ended you know oh six oh seven. He's just retired. Far out. Because I remember him on tour, and he was um you know you, you talk a bit about his part. His past and all that, but you know he 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 did have some you know some some issues that you know that he needed medication for. It wasn't really diagnosed at no. the time either. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and but so, he's still. I don't care what people say. Like he's no, he's the best, and he would do anything for you. If I rang him and needed something or wanted to talk, he would do anything for anyone, and I love him. What about your first crush, Terry Hatcher? The Lois Lane. Lois Lane. Oh, bro. She was beautiful. Terry Hatcher. I nearly was she met the one her. Was she the one on Seinfeld? No, no, that's um, Marissa to me. No, no, no. Rooster May was Seinfeld, but also Terry Hatcher was. Oh yeah, Terry Hatcher, come on there. She's seen, seen Jerry. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very, very similar, Marissa to me and Jerry <laughs> and um, Terry Hatcher. I, Terry. I actually nearly met her a couple of years ago. Oh wow. Yeah, I was at a junket in the states. I'm not going to say where. And Cara, my wife, was worried because she knows how much I love her. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? She's and she's, she's like, very oh, attractive. and I said, if I, mean, I see Terry Hatcher, yeah, but my wife. But yeah. I said, Terry Hatcher's my hall pass. Yeah. If I see Taracha, it's play on. She agrees. And she, no, no, no. She's like, stay away from her. She's single. She's old. She's probably naughty. And I'm going tick, tick, tick. <laughs> and the problem is, uh, what about your first job? 
Um, courier. Delivery driver, Star Trek oh, Express. That's right. Loved it. That's right. Played at St. George. A lot of the younger guys went through the system at Star Trek because uh, one of the guys, uh, one of the one of the guys who, you know, who knew someone at the football club employed a lot of young Dragons players, and we went there. And the part time money was good, and it was early hours. I'd start at five o'clock. Five thirty, we're driving. Five thirty, we're unpacking the the big B double semi trailer. Finish at about 10, so that means the casuals would finish, and if you were good enough to drive, which I was lucky I could drive, I would then drive till 1 or 2 o'clock um, and then go up to training at St George. But the funny thing was, you start at 5, so what is it, 5? Anytime after 12.30, you're on double time. So, so I dragged the day out. Oh, nice. Like time and a half, then double time, do you know nice, what I mean? Nice. So I'd, I'd really drag it out. Nice. And I was in my boss's pocket a lot, so I made a heap of money, man, back then. Is that with, in, down the gong? Down the gong. Down the gong. Well, in Wollongong. But um, a couple of boys I used to play with at Dapdale and that still worked there. Um, so how it worked is the B-double would reverse in, and I'd be in there unpacking it with a few of the guys. Chris Houston used to do it with me, Jamie Keith, a few guys that played first grade. And we'd unpack it, and it goes to a long conveyor belt, and then everyone's run. So it's Dapdo, Fig Tree, Albion Park, Warilla, Shell Harbour. All the drivers are there, and then you just take your box off. So we'd send things down on the conveyor belt. We'd send notes down. We'd send, like, you know, try and, I, and start a bit of drama down there. And I thought my seal story was going that oh, way. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but mine's facts. Mine's information. But do you players, like, do you, do you miss those days where players were working and... Do you nah. think there's, there's merit to that? Yeah, 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 100%. And the Storm do it, Souths do it, I think. And I think Brisbane might do it in the off-seasons. It, it gives you an appreciation for money. And I earn, I think I was earning about maybe... $700 a week after tax and I was working from 5 in the morning till 2 in the Arvo and then training till 6 at night and then mm. getting home so I was leaving at 4.30 getting home at 8.30 and I knew how hard it was to earn 50 grand that's right so that when I got my first contract at the Tigers and that's missing isn't it that's bro I got my today. first contract at the Tigers at West which was which was 20 grand that, that, and, that was my first contract and, and I knew and I knew oh. I knew I'm, I'm like I've got this I'm getting 400 bucks a week and I'm just try- I'm doing something I love, so I really appreciated it. So that when I earned my and I got my next deal, which was I think 130 grand, I knew how hard it was to earn 130 grand. That's right. I was putting it in hours in at Star Trek. I was saying, well, if I want to go and earn 130, I have to work from five in the morning till six at night, and I don't want to do that. That's right. And and you know what? That's I think that that is missing. Uh, people, a lot in yep. this, it's missing. It's I, I say so, I so say missing. to everyone, kids, young kids come out now and. I think the minimum wage, so like the salary cap works if you've got your top 30. A lot of people don't understand, but if you've got your top 30, you need two or three kids that won't play first grade in your top squad. They won't play. They're just in there to fill the cap. Yeah, so they're on their right. 80 yeah. or 90 yeah. grand. Yeah. And, mate, to come out of school and be on 80 grand to play footy and not play, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, my parents have never earned 60, 70 grand. They've never earned that. So to earn... To get your, I think the average wage for a play now is about three hundred. I could be wrong. It's around three hundred. Is it really? That's yeah. High. Jeez, that's high. It's a hot. It's a. It's it's when you divide the cap by the thirty players. Right, right, right. But the average wage, I mean, three hundred grand. Like I don't know, outside of um, you know the media and sport, I don't know anyone earning three hundred grand. Mm. It's hard to get, man. Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. But young players get it and just think, uh, yeah, I know. what's next? I know. So I was I was playing and earning good money and still bringing home packed lunch. I still had a packed lunch mm. from from my mum and I was like I drove a pretty dodgy car. Well, I was okay, but it wasn't like guys were buying all these. Mm. And I just, instead I said, no, I want to buy a home and yeah. and you know like 
It's it's just because it can go as quick as it comes. Oh, right, and now look money. at you, you live on the beach here in Cronulla. If we, if we could pan this around, you're on. <laughs> you're in, in my opinion, the best place in the world, man. It's a great place. It's a great place. What about your most embarrassing moment? What, in footy? Anything? Just anything. Oh, yeah, once a couple of years ago, I was um, I was only talking about this the other day. I was on the footy show and we were talking about, I was talking about concussions. And a lot of the time on the footy show, I'd, I'd already recorded... I'd have two or three tape pieces that would go for 10 minutes. So I'd have a bonos, I'd have interviews with players. I might have a celebrity interview, sorry, where I sort of have done all my work. So by the live show, I'd just chime in with opinion. So a lot of the time I wouldn't listen. And um, we're talking about head knocks or concussion. They were talking fatty and, and um, I think Joey and, and, and Brett Finch. And someone, they threw to me and said, oh, you knew. And I heard the word Liam Fulton and I'd played with Liam Fulton. And I was just completely tuned out. And they threw to me and said, oh, what do you think, Bowie? And I had no idea where we're at. This is live. This is live, live, man. Yeah, yeah. So I said, yeah, you know, Liam Fulton, um, you know, head knocks and, you know, it happens. It affects everyone. And and then I just stopped for about three <laughs> seconds. And I said, I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> and everyone laughed a lot because they thought it was a joke because we're talking about concussion. Oh. But, oh, then, it was a then, ju- yeah, 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 and then yeah. some people were very like, "Oh, that was distasteful from Bo. This is affecting everyone." But I genuinely had no idea what we we're talking about. Yeah, I just tuned <laughs> out. So that was actually I dodged the ball. I was, it was embarrassing for me, but luckily people didn't take me seriously, and I just skirted around it. What about your favorite movie? Oh, good question. I like a few, man. I mean, Braveheart is hard to beat. That's bro. Mine, yeah. Braveheart, Braveheart's The Departed, one. but um, so good The Departed. So you know what, man? I mean, I like Shutter Island. I'm a big DiCaprio. Oh, I couldn't man. get into it. I just couldn't understand. Yeah, I it. got too deep into it. Did you know? See, I, I overthought it too much. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm going to say favorite movie of all time, I, th- you know, this movie pops up all the time with me, and I love it. I love him. I'm going to say Scarface. I haven't seen it. Oh my! I know you're a movie maker. You haven't seen Scarface. I'm some some re- of a filmmaker. Well, they're redoing another one with um, DiCaprio's playing Pacino. So he's essentially a is drug lord. Right? Yeah. Really? Yeah, Pacino, uh, DiCaprio is going to play, yeah, who's, and he's a political, he's a Cuban refugee. So he has to learn the accent and all that. And he's, he's been spotted around uh, LA before COVID, DiCaprio with Pacino, and he's learning the lingo and stuff. Is that right? Mm. Oh, gee, I look forward to that. What about favourite book? I'm not a big reader, man, but um, I'll just probably say I'm reading Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren. Oh, that's good. So, yeah. It's a very powerful book. What about a person from history you'd like to have met? The few. I mean, Muhammad Ali's would be a good one. Um, and Michael Jordan. If I'm talking about sport, those two guys are above the rest. Yeah. You're talking about yeah. sport. But, man, you got to say Jesus. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you don't meet anyone, I'd like, to meet, anyone, I'd like yeah. to meet Jesus, yeah. Well, the thing is, you can still meet him because he's still here. So yeah, but I'd like to have a good flesh, chat. I'd have like to have a good chat with him yeah. in the flesh. Yeah. Well, you play your cards right, you might one day. I will, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will. I will, man. 100% I will. I know you will. <laughs> Something you wish you were better at? Um, building. 
Handyman. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm really sh- slug it too. I'm shit at everything, man. You know, the, I had a builder the other day, and it's just like it's going to do this, going to cost this, and it's going. And I go, I don't know if you're what he's telling me. It's like when I put my car in, you know. It's what like, are the options? What are the options? Yeah. You just got to pay it. And the only other option is you take it to someone else. So if those two guys say that, you yeah. got me, man. It's like they got a consortium. It's a consortium. Like <laughs> and I tune out, but like it's very humbling. Like I can't do anything. So I know, I know. We'll get a builder to come over, a mate's a mate's brother. Who comes over the other day and he hangs two photos, a mirror, and it does a doorstop. And I had friends over the other day. They said, "Oh, what's uh, what 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 do you got a builder here for? Everything looks finished at your house." I said, "I'd oh, hang photos in the mirror," and they're like, "Why don't you do it?" <laughs> and it's just that that line, "Why don't you do it?" It just humbled me, man. And I don't really get humbled or affected like that. And it just it just like it just knifes you. So and I, I just said, "I'm too busy," and they're like, "No, you're not." I got my but my father-in-law. He he comes and does stuff like that because honestly, I am the I'm just the worst. I'm worse stuff. than you, man. I'm worse. I've seen you, bro. You paint that. I'm not. I, I am paint. I do paint. Not I can well, do lawns, lawns and lawns. gurney and clean. I can clean Have stuff. Have you got a gurney? Yeah, I just got one. Do you want to borrow? Yeah, yeah. I got in my house. Yeah. Thank you. It's so another, good. Another little job for my intern, Rachel. Thank you. <laughs> we got sponsors. You got sponsors on here? Can we shout anyone out or what? <laughs> um, the thing you did growing up that made your parents the most upset? Oh, steel. Did you? Yeah. From where? Heaps of places, man. <laughs> I can't say. You can't reveal where you steal from. Just and you got caught? You got yeah, caught? Yeah, oh, I got caught a lot, yeah. Oh, they, they caught you, your parents? Other people caught me and told my parents, yeah. Okay. Mm. The biggest thing you've been nervous about? Um... Well, probably, obviously, when you're in trouble and with your parents, I was very nervous. At my, I used to get in trouble at school, and the, knowing that my mum knew and that she was going to come home and talk to me, I got really nervous mm. about that, really anxious about that. So it was the opposite. I, I, I didn't fear my mum's retribution. I, I was more nervous of the principal, and nah. I always had a fear of teachers. I nah, had a, man. a real fear of teachers. No, nah, I was really So if my mum said, I'm going to tell the teacher, I was like, that's what really... Nah, no, nah, mine was the other way. I don't care about the teachers. Oh, really? Yeah. No, nah. my mum. If I let my mum down and that, and it's still like that, man, if you let your mum down, I mean, everyone's got that... Yeah, you don't That parent that you want to, you know, that instills stuff in you, that you don't want to hurt them, and yeah, that. Did you enjoy school, or...? I mean, yeah. You did? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I like people. Um, I didn't enjoy class because I don't like being confined. Right. Yeah, I enjoyed certain classes, business studies. I really liked my teacher. Right. She was. I got on good with her. She was sexy, obviously, but she was a good teacher, <laughs> and I really enjoyed business. I did. You've, you've got a business mind. I just liked. Le- I just liked learning about. No, nah, but you've got a very sharp like business mind. Like when when you talk about like stuff with contracts and how networks work and st- and just like deals and stuff like that you've you've got a very like it's you can tell it's there that, oh, that, I, I, lo- I really enjoyed it so I did like stuff like that I did like maths and then but I'm playing footy when I was younger playing schoolboys and stuff you miss a lot of school so like in year 11 and year 12 I missed a lot so that when I had to sit for tests mm. I mean English and business you can get away with missing some class and, and sort of fudge your way through it but like computer and maths and all that by the by the exams coming year 11 bro i had no idea what was going on so i didn't enjoy the last couple of years was yours co-ed yours co-ed? Yeah. it was yeah. yeah did you date anyone from there or? yeah was yeah it, cara wasn't there was it no, was no 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 i didn't meet my wife till after school okay. um actually i saw her one day when i was in year 10 out of at a beach when i was oh. 16 and i said who the hell's that and you know when you know everyone in your area yeah i locked eyes with her 
And I was really? like, holy shit, yeah, who is that? Wow. And um, and you, did, you, just, it? did we, you meet her then? Or? Nah. Wow. But she said, remember, we still talk about it. Oh, that's funny. I tell her that it was love at first sight. It wasn't love, I just liked her. You know, Could have been lust. Could have been lust or anything. <laughs> She's in a bikini. She's in a bikini, <laughs> but oil. she remembers it. So I didn't really talk to her for a few years after that. And then, um, yeah, but I had a was girlfriend. Was a nightclub? Was it, was it at a nightclub, you guys? Well, well, the beach was the first time we yeah. met. And then my mate, she lived with one of my mates. Um, and her, her girlfriend was going out with my mate. So they all lived together. So, yeah, we met. Nice. Three friends. So did that? Did you start dating straight, straight away? Or oh, was she was it, hard was to crack. Oh, she really? was hard to crack, yeah. Really? She made me work for it. So we went out for a date and, uh, and I hadn't really had proper girlfriends. I mean, I had girls, but not girlfriends properly, so I didn't really know what to do. So but you would have been sort of after, wouldn't you? Like yeah, but I didn't have long-term or... girlfriends and that. It was more just mucking around and, you know, I was always away and playing footy and that. I was away a lot and, you know, it's like, man, but, um, yeah, that was she was the first proper... Um, girlfriend? Girlfriend. I took her to Hog's Breath first date and she worked there. I didn't know. Oh, yeah, still waving at her. I'm like, what's discount? going on here? Discount? Yeah, 50%. Oh, well, that's good. It cost me 35 bucks. It was 70 bucks, 35 bucks. <laughs> and then I took her to Woolies. You knew that. You must have knew that. I swear you, to God you, I didn't. You give me the, really? I swear to God. But if I took her back, I kept taking her back. <laughs> but I... Um, Hog's Breath is good. Oh, how good. Yeah. Yeah, so she worked good. there. That's and great. I, that's impressive, I've got to say. Yeah, yeah. I took her there, yeah. And I... I I did my hair, my mate cut it, and I cut it real funky, long at the back and there, like, because I thought I was a bit stylish from Albion Park. And from and <laughs> I got there, and I said to her a few a few months later, I said, I bet you I got you from my hair, like my hairstyle. And she told me, she's a hairdresser. She's a very good hairdresser. Yeah, but she hated it, and she couldn't wait to cut it. She gave me the best haircut I've ever had. Really? State. And, and, and I, I love Men's Republic, they do my, but she is like, she's, hmm. she's unbelievable. She's unbelievable. Yeah, well, she won't cut mine now. Oh, really? Well, she's, sometimes. Just, she's lost she's, the edge. Yeah, she doesn't... First date, did you kiss or that night? Yeah, a little kiss. No, did I you? went in like... I went open mouth like with a bit... Like for a big wet one, but... Yeah. We actually We actually went back to her house and we sat on the lounge and we put the TV on and it was Channel 9 and there was like a a bit of a... Uh, it was like a love scene and it was a bit kissy in that and they were on each other on, on, on a lounge. So she changed the channel to Channel 10. It was a... It was a... Again... Two people kissing. Oh my god! So I looked at her. So the heavens are saying. Yeah, but then she goes. So she goes to. She flicks the next one to SBS. And bro, it's full, full (laughs) sex. (laughs) And I looked at her and I said, "Which of the three? Yeah, I said, "Well, what are we doing here?" And she said, "You have to go. You got to go." And then I married her. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. (laughs) What's What's the best advice you've been given? When I was younger, it was always tough times that last. Tough people do. And I always sort of lived by that motto. But I heard one probably five years ago that I, I really like. And I tell this to people, and I, I really I stand by it. Nothing is ever as good as it seems, and nothing's as ever as bad as it seems. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and I... Do you remember who said that? Joel Kane. Your, your mate, really? Mm. But he, st- he stole it from someone. He, he stole it from someone. He's not a deep thinker, Joel Kane. It's not, but it's, I mean... You hear different <laughs> mottos or sayings at different times in your life, and like sometimes you get really good news or really bad news. But yes. if you take a step back, yeah, it's the more I think about it, the more I agree with it. It's perspective, hundred percent. All perspective, yeah, hundred percent. Right? What about your pet hate? Pet hate. Oh, I don't. Um, oh, I don't like it. Happened yesterday. So driving. 
if I'm driving and my wife has the maps, so she can she likes to control the map. So she'll say go left up here or go right, and I just I beg her just to leave it in the console so I can see it, or I leave it on the satin nav. Yeah, she likes to control. Wow, but she's very bad at it. And she just tells you late. She, she tells me late. She's like, all right, go left. Oh, go left. No. Oh, back there. Go left in 200. Okay, back there. You know what I mean? And I just, it irks me, man. What about your guilty pleasure? Caramel. Caramel stuff. Really? Mm, salted caramel. Anything caramel, man. Wow, I didn't know that. Caramel guy. Lesson that's taken you the longest to learn. Um... The longest lesson that's taken me the longest to learn. Oh, probably if my wife and I have a disagreement, to just let her be. Every time we have a disagreement or whatever, I try and confront her and we speak and I try and just get to the bottom of it straight away. And I still like that. If I just let her have her time and come back. So I'm still grappling with that. That's hard because when there's something's... When it's, it's on me. Burning on you. Oh, I know. I just got to go. So hard. It's hard, man. It's, it's so but hard that, to, like, I still haven't properly learned that lesson to, to be honest. To, to have that emotional strength to, to yeah. go, you know what, this is going to be a time to, to yeah. address this. Yeah. But it's hard because sometimes there's never a time. There's uh, never a good time. Uh, and women are like what I've, what I've learned. Women are like, um, like water on the stove. Time doesn't heal all, man. You reckon? Oh, bro. They simmers. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time there's no water left or it's bubbling and do you know what I mean? Everyone's like time heals all. I, it couldn't be it couldn't be further from the truth. I, I think because yeah, because that saying time heals all I actually don't agree. I think I think in time wounds can heal, but if the wound is left open mm. and not dealt with and there's no healing for the wound, it, it it's like it's like dirt under the rug. That's like a good it's, one. It's, it's it's always there. That's a good one. You can just you know what I mean? And so mm. I think in t- I don't think infected. time in itself heals anything, but no. it's but yes, in time things I mean, you can work yeah, through stuff. I agree. Time makes things easier, but it doesn't heal. It doesn't matter. Nah, because nah. nah. you, you can you know, I've I've met people that, you know, like um oh, I met a, I met a guy from from uh school and uh, not not I haven't seen him for a long time and and they brought up something that I that I uh, mm. said and I was like oh, I was like he still remember, like he still yeah. it was a stupid thing I said, yeah. but that he still remembered it and it still had an impact. So yeah. he hadn't, he hadn't, you know. I'd, mm. It's funny, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a, it's a funny thing. But how do you confront stuff? How do you? How, what's your style of of com- confrontation? Um, I'm pretty. Or do you avo- do you avoid? No, nah, I used to. Yeah. I used to. I'm pretty good now. Like if I've got something on my mind or on my heart, I reach out to people, but. Um, it's awkward, eh? It's hard to do. I it is, but it mate, easy. I'm telling you, it, it's as truth, hard as it is. The truth can be so confronting. I yeah, find. and yeah. if you humble yourself and ask for forgiveness, or or um, or forgive someone straight away, mate, it's it's changed. Yeah, it's changed my life with certain people. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's so good. Hundred percent. I wanted to talk just a bit about, like we mentioned a bit about footy show stuff, and but you know, I don't want to. Bypass your footy career because yeah, you had a very good career, but it did get cut short by a, a neck injury. I think we had the very similar. Yeah. Um, did you yeah. have a disc protrusion in your? Yeah, and I had seat? surgery. I mean, it happened the last game in the semi final to get to game to before the grand final to get into the grand final at two thousand and um, thirteen at the Sharks, and um, I went to tackle the winger George Defour, and I went low, and I remember being a bit concussed, and just my arm feeling weird, and I think the hype of the game. 
I didn't really think about you it. Don't remember, no. The game finished and um, we had Mad Monday and we were all out and drinking and carrying on. And then it wasn't until the next day my hand was a bit sore. And then I had just hand and arm symptoms for about six weeks on and off and because we had time off. So by the time I come back to training, my my fingers were a bit numb and my arm was really, really painful. So I got the surgery late and I think the nerve damage was already done. Mm. So I had the disc shaved, had about, oh, I was about a five-month recovery, came back mid-2014, played the first game and felt all right. Second game, copped a whack and um, was in pain. I remember seeing Andrew Johns when I walked off the field. It was at Parramatta Stadium. It was a Monday night game and he said, mate, he had the same sort of same injury and he yeah. said, you got to retire. Wow. And I walked off, played the next game, played the next half, sorry, and then... Played one more game against the West Tigers at home at Cronulla, and I told my family, um, we we were in dire straits, the Sharks, that year. We'd lost our coach. We'd lost half the staff, half the crew, because they were all this drug stuff was coming up about Asada. And I remember inviting about 20 of my family and friends to the game and said, this could possibly be the last game I play, and it was. Yeah. But it was fitting. It was against the Tigers, and it was at home. But how did you feel like... How did you feel after? Because it's it's hard to it is hard to retire. I mean, you walked into a, not walked into yeah, a, a, you, yeah. you created a, a a career for yourself. Which no, I was lucky. The blow a bit, but, I was lucky, man. Because it's still hard, mate. In, at, on my, in my time, the only people that got full time jobs after footy in the media were the greats of the game. Yeah. So I was sitting on a panel. It was like me, and then it was, and then it was people like Darren Lockyer, Wally Lewis, Andrew Johns, Brad Fittler, and then I was sitting with them. And it, was, it didn't feel right because it was like these guys were the greats of the game. I was just lucky that I'd done my apprenticeship in TV that I could walk into a job and provide entertainment. But I, um, to answer your question, I felt relieved when I retired because my my mind, like to play a game, I would, I would play a game on say a Friday night. Saturday I'd spend all day icing or recover. And then Sunday, Monday I'd be in pain and then I'd be on a physio table from Monday to Friday trying to get my body right. And then I'd play again and it'd mm. flare back up. So the last six to 12 months, I was just on physio tables trying it. So it was just, a, not it, it was not enjoyable, man. No. And it was, it was, it was uncomfortable and it was painful. So when I retired, I was, um, I was happy. Your, your dear friend, uh, Chris Hino, who, um, you know, had an illustrious career. He, um, he said, I remember you said something to me uh, that he said something to you after the game yeah. about, I don't know, had they won the grand final mm. They won the, the Sharks win their first ever grand final, yeah. and he said you should have been there with us, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was, I remember you walk, like yeah. talked a bit after it because it, it, that that must have been hard to hear. Yeah, that was I played a hundred, only played one hundred twenty seven games, and a hundred and twenty five of them were with Chris Hornington. Wow! So there's only two games I didn't play with with him, and um, I played all the games at the Tigers with him, all the games at the Sharks. He was one of the one of, if not the main reasons, I come to Cronulla. Um, and I remember he played the game 2016 Grand Final. I couldn't go to it. I just, I don't know, I couldn't go to it. I mean, I was still technically on contract that year if I had it filled my my, um, my whole contract out without retiring early because mm. I was only 21 when I retired. Not that I would have made the team. They had Val Holmes and a superstar team, but I just was a bit hard. Um, but I was watching the game and I just remember just, when Andrew Fafita scored that try, I just was jumping up and down. I couldn't, and I thought I, I thought the selfish me would be a bit like, oh, you know, you want them to do well, but you sort of there's a party you don't. Of know. course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just supporting them so much. And then I spoke to Chris Heinington that night after the game, and then I FaceTimed him in the morning, and he hadn't slept, and he was at Shark Park sitting with, um, I think it was Ricky Latelli on a case of beer with his ring, 
and he was just talking, he was emotional, and Benny Barber, they're all there, and he's just like, I wish you were here, and all this, you should have been there, and it sort of hit me pretty hard. Yeah. Um, but that's a regret, obviously. But it's nothing you could do. It's, nothing a, it's you not really do. a regret, because in a sense, that yeah. a regret would mean, oh, I could have done something no. about, but you, there really, there's nothing, there's nothing nah, you could I would have loved, I would have killed to win a premiership. Oh, so, yeah, same, I'd same. killed, man. Same, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk a bit about the footy show stuff because really I, I was I didn't know you and I was used to go to the same gym as the former um, executive producer of the, the footy show Gary Burns and and I remember you did something that was just so funny on the footy show and the next morning at the gym I said mate where'd you find this guy Bo Ryan and he said I didn't he found me and I said what, what, what do you mean so did you send him staff, did you? Nah. Do, how did that? How did that all work? How did you get your entry into? Uh, two thousand and nine. So I would have only been twenty four. Um, they the footy show was undergoing a bit of a revamp, but um, it was when Matty Johns went through all his stuff, um, and there was an opening, and I got a, a call off my manager, and he said, oh, "I'm going to go meet Gary Burns." I said, "Who's that?" And he said, "Oh, he's the EP of the footy show." I said, "Oh, great." And he said, "Oh, they're looking for someone to do something different." And um, a few of the boys have said, "You're funny. You should come to the meeting." So I took Chris Onington with me and we went and met him and the professor, who was my James Rochford, who's one of the best in the business. He's a, a producer. He's a and producer, he was yeah. yeah, he was my producer back at the time, but he was sitting there with Gary Burns and we went to the little cafe near the studio at Channel 9 there at Willoughby, Artaman, the little um, cottage. I sat down with him, he said, I'll say something funny. And I, so I looked at Chris Onington, I just bagged out Chris Onington about how old he looks, whatever, and he laughed. And he said, all right, no worries, you got a job tomorrow. Go to um, Balmain. You go to Balmain, take a microphone, take James Rochford with you. And um, be funny, and then he left. Is that right? Yeah, that was so, it. Yeah, so I got to the, um, I got to Balmain, and we just did a vox pops with James Rochford, yeah. and he let me do my thing for a couple of weeks, and then he said, um, you know, we're going to put a bit of a spin on it, and then he came up with the we should do a bow nose, which comes from the Bo Jackson, one of the greatest athletes of all time. He used to be a Nike, um, a Nike ambassador who worked for he played for played NFL and baseball, one of the greats, mm. uh, and we did that, and we basically just did a you know, a little skit sort of skit um, segment where James Rochford would help write stuff and then we'd finish with some Voxies and, mate, yeah, it was just, uh, was just, there for nearly 10 years. Just from there. Yeah, well, 10 years, was it, really? Well, 2009, 10, 11, 12, yeah, it was just under 10 years. Do you have a highlight from, from the show? Um, I mean, I was lucky because I get to, I mean, back then we were on earlier and it was a primetime show and it was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I get, meeting people was good, like meeting when we did the celebrity stuff was good, but I, I used to love the sketch stuff, like when James and I would go and he'd write some stuff and we'd just, um, we'd banter and we'd come up with some ideas and he'd do a lot of the heavy lifting and we'd shoot sketches with footy players and um, yeah, I just, I loved working with the players, I liked it. But also live, live TV, because the footy show was live. Live, yeah. That's that's very different. Very different. To pre-tape stuff. Oh, very Explain different. Explain for, for, for people listening. Well, like the, I, the, I was lucky because I played footy and um, obviously... You keep saying you're lucky, but I've got to say, you've got a very, very good work ethic. Yeah. You work like you work very hard. Well, the work the work, the work is the reason I'm still going in the industry. But mm. the, the thing with live TV, and not many people understand, like... The footy show was live and we had a sort of small audience in terms, probably 150, 200 people, which is very intimidating if you hadn't done it. But because when I started, I had a lot mm. of tape pieces and I, as soon as the cameras turned on, I enjoyed it. I was addicted to it. 
I was just loving really, it. Wow. So I'd shoot that, but then I'd do the live shows. And the live shows, when I first started on the footy show, I'd do like a parody thing or I'd pretend to be Tommy Rodonigas or I'd do a sketch or I'd do celebrity heads. So I'd only do 10 minutes a show for the first probably for 2009 I did that. So that by the time in 2010 when I was regularly starting to appear, I'd already had a bit of a baptism of fire. I'd already, I'd already mm. been in front of the camera a little bit. So that by the time I joined the panel full-time, 2012, 2013, I, I felt natural because I'd been doing it for so long. Now, what footy players and other athletes try and do is they retire and they go straight into TV and they'll try, go and try and go straight into a live cross or a live panel or a live audience. Yeah, now, that is like hard. It is. Like and if you haven't done it, you've seen so many people on Foxtel, the there's been, <laughs> been heavy ones. But the good thing what Foxtel do now, and I see it, and whether it's a player retiring, whether it's Braith or Michael Ennis, They'll do a panel show first before they do the big live stuff. So they'll be a panel show and they'll get their opinion for a while. And then if they're good enough, they'll go to the games. And if they go from there, then they'll do the games or they'll do the live show, whether it's a Matty show or the footy show. Mm. So they work there. They crawl before they walk. And I think that's important. There's not many people that can go straight into a live show. But um, the footy show skilled me for enough uh, – it gave me enough confidence to, to take a few leaps and then, you know, move on with my career. So by the time I got to Channel 10 that – you know, I felt like I had a, I had enough talent to to do my own thing. The the amazing race um did great this year and uh, it was at last year. Sorry, um, what was you you went a lot of destinations, a lot of flying, yeah, a lot yeah. of how, how did that work on you? Yeah, we got about thirty flights. Um, it was brutal, but I, I liked it because I mean I. You were moved by some of the. I remember you saying, yeah. "Was it some of the places?" The that, best place I've been. I've travelled all over the world, been everywhere, and the the most overwhelming place the best place on earth is africa by far really yeah and we went to nice places i mean we went all through southeast asia through thailand where it's beautiful you know down the bottom of vietnam and the philippines it's beautiful it's paradise there mm. and you know i've been all through america and um you know all different parts of the states europe um but africa the best way to describe it i was talking to someone the other day at channel 10 um people if you've been to Africa before, and if you're speaking to someone who's been to Africa, you both sort of nod. You both you both know because you've just you you know what they've seen, and they know what you've seen in terms of. I remember we went to Malawi, um, and everyone was excited to go to Malawi because they've been there before, and I'd never been there. And Malawi is basically the place where Madonna takes all the kids. They're the really beautiful people. Right, Madonna's right. got about twelve kids from Malawi, mm. um, give or take. But I said, okay, why, what are we doing in Malawi? What, what, what are we going to do? The hotel's good? They said, no. Nah. I said, the food good? They said, not really. I said, animals? They said, well, there's a few, but like they've got the big five, but you don't really see them. Okay, what's the, the land look great? No. Nah. Scenery good? No. Nah. But it's probably the best place I've been on earth. But why? Why? Because of the people. Really? As soon as you get off the plane, you meet them and they're just happy to be alive. Wow. Um, and they're so unfortunate. They've got their... They're so poor. The poverty is unreal. Mm. Um, but it's just... I remember going to a little fishing village and I got a little girl. She's nearly eight. And this little girl was... So she was... Last year she was six at the time. And she was... Um, they were fishing. Little girls were fishing out in the lake. And I said, oh, how old are these little girls? And they're all six. And since they can walk, they've been just taught to go and fish and hunt and gather. And they've got smiles on their faces. There's no school. They're not learning anything. Uh, the other kids is on the other side of the village were shelling peanuts, mm. and they've been they're sitting in a circle shelling peanuts. So basically, there's a five year old girl, then there's a thirty third their mum, 
and then the mum and the mum's mum, and there's just generations of women shelling peanuts. Wow. So there's there's real love community, and they're just and, so happy and, to be and, alive, and yeah, they're, wow. they're smiling and they're because we've, we've lost we've oh, lost bro. that in this in this culture. We've like we've, we brought a drone down in the middle of a shop. I went into a Malawi village, and that's where they you know barter and buy and sell. And we brought a drone down. There was about a thousand people there. And by the time the drone was about 200 metres up, by the time it come down, everyone was empty. Everywhere was empty because they thought the gods must be crazy. They thought the aliens were coming down. <laughs> they all thought it was an invasion. But the people, man, like... That's people, like in Star Wars. You yeah. Ever seen Star Wars when, when, when C-3PO... Yeah, and they all freak out. That's exactly how it was. But, but, but Malawi was like... It did change me because they, they're just grateful. And they're just warm and like mm. they'll walk up and they'll hug you and they'll embrace you and they're, it's just, it's hard to explain, man, until, unless you've experienced, uh, unless it, you've yeah. experienced it. And I'll talk to people, I'll, I'll meet people, random people who say, oh, I saw you're in Africa, how good was it? And I'll talk to people in Cronulla and I'll have a 10 minute chat mm. about Malawi or Kenya. So how do, okay, it must be hard to, to um, you know, you come back and there's so much wealth here yeah. in, in I, I know there's still inequality in Australia, and there's mm. still people doing it tough. Don't get yeah. don't get me wrong, uh, but you know, ha, how do you put those two together? A place like that, then you come back to a place. See, how do you yeah. teach your kids the know. value of because because you, you have a great. I got to say, you you understand the value of money. I find you generous, but you're not like frivolous with your money, um, and and you understand the value of it. But mm. like this, I just feel like the self entitled generation that, oh. that that we're growing up in. It's yeah. just you know the lust for fame and for mm. you know to make it to. I don't know. I don't, I, how do you send that message to your kids about you know looking out for the poor as yeah. well? Like when you that that this world. You know, you talked about purpose-driven life. The book, yeah. you, you, you know, I think the first line in that book by Rick Warren it says, "It's not about you." Yeah, that's the first line in Powerful, the book, man. and I just went, "Wow, Powerful. what a book! What a book!" It's and um, that's when I put it down and didn't read it again. Yeah. <laughs> I think I stole it off. I um, no, but seriously, it's a tough one, man. Like I got mm. back on a Friday. I remember I got back Friday night, and my wife picked me up. We'd been away for five weeks, and I got in the zone. And you get a bit of withdrawals when you finish a show like that because you just round each each and a, each other for every day, every night. And I get really close with them, and I miss them, and I love them. But then you, you, you're taken from them, and you come straight home. I remember I got picked up Friday night, woke up early Saturday morning, and we come down to the park just near my our house down here. And my daughter was swinging on the swings and then my son was walking around and I just started crying. I just got tears in my eyes. I just, mm. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, my, I didn't really speak to my wife about anything. I just got really upset and got really overwhelmed by the whole thing. And that's when it probably hit me the most. Um, I'm finding it really hard, to be honest with you, in my life uh, with my kids to not give them everything. Because mm. I didn't grow up with much. Uh, but I had more than enough. Mm. But I want my daughter and son to have the best life, but I'm finding it really hard, the, the line between giving, giving them too much and making them ungrateful and, you know. Mm. Um, Something yeah. that I think about, I mean... I'm, I find, I'm finding it hard, bro, and especially my mm. daughter now. She wants this, wants that, and the old me just gave her everything yeah. and just wanted to make her happy, but I can see how it changes her as a person. And how does Cara? What is does she? She's is very. She, she my wife is. Nah, my wife. My wife is always take take it back. Don't get it. This, oh, right, so yeah, I'd be yeah. away for That's ages. Good. And the first thing I, like, I used to go to the states a lot for the, for Channel Nine. I'd be away for a week, and I'd come back with a present all the time. Yeah. And, and then they'd start expecting it. Um, 
but I'm finally starting to find that happy place where I can just give them enough and make them um, feel grateful, which was very hard. It's st- mm. It still is hard. I still wrestle with it every day. Um, but I, I feel the trip to overseas to Africa and that did change me like that. Mm. We're very lucky. We're fortunate that I, get, I do get time for holidays and we have travelled a lot as a family. And when we go overseas, we go to Bali, um, you know, or, or whether I'm we go up to Queensland, it doesn't matter where we go, we, we always spend a little point of time, especially when we're in Bali in Indonesia, where we go to places that are less fortunate and I'll I'll take her through a village or I'll take my daughter to where kids are showering or what they're eating and see where they're sleeping mm-hmm. and I think it's really good for her. That's great. Because they've got no idea, man. That's great. They've got no idea. And, I, I, mate, I have no idea. Until I got to Africa, I remember we're in Africa and I think I've told you this story. I'm in the hotel. We're in a hotel in Malawi. Now, in my hotel, I had one of those nice big gold shower heads with two showers. You know where there's two showers inside the same shower cubicle? It's like yeah, a, it's yeah. like you've got the shower head there and the shower head at the other end. Yeah, yeah. And then there was a shower head in the bath. So I had three showers. I looked across the road. So basically there was a big courtyard or like a big, a massive courtyard we had out the front of the hotel. And then there was a car park and then there were the villages. And the villages were as far as you could see and they had no water. Wow. No water. Hard. They had to walk that's for 10, 10 to 20 kilometres the other way to get water. And here I am with three showers. And I could not work that out. Yeah. I could not work that out. The amount of poverty over there, man, it's like, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's really hard to explain. It and is. it's really hard it to is. understand it because you see, there's a lot of, still there's a lot of power and wealth there, but there's also people who are, there's kids that cannot eat. There's no food there. Mm. Um, and that hit me hard, but you know, it's again, it's it's made me, it's, it's probably made me a better dad. Because I went to Colombia and I um, I did um, we've, we've got a, a mutual friend in in uh, in in Jake from uh, Stan who uh, yeah, yeah. you know, and his his wife comes from Colombia and uh, yeah. I did a, a documentary and I was in Colombia and I was only talking to him this week about it and uh, and it was very very similar. We were in we were in we did. We did. There's. They call it the Barrios, which is which is there. There are the five million displaced people in a small area, just for, about forty minutes out of town, I'd say. And and yet you're staying in this hotel, doing a documentary about it, and you can thinking far out. Like how is this? How is this coexisting yeah. with this? Yeah. And I, I think about it a lot, and I think and and the only thing I've come I've come away with it thinking that. You know, if I if in my next you know phase am, am equipped with with more um, success and maybe wealth and so forth, if, if that's not in my heart mm. to help that, then there's something there's something wrong. Yeah. And even with what I've got now, you know, obviously we spon- we sponsor kids, we and and we'd like to do a lot more, um, which is why which is why for me it is a driving force behind wanting to achieve goals because yeah. if the goals I think are just about you, yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, okay, it's never enough, I'll no. be honest with you. But if you, if you start changing your goals, the new settings about, well, if I get this, oh, oh, look, we'll be able to maybe do more with for, for them. And do you know what I mean? It kind of just 100%. shifts focus on... Because doing things in the end for yourself, it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's, it's not satisfying. No, and I, mate, I, um, it's funny you say that. Like, the, the thing that probably had the most lasting impression, like... People that were with me, they were my crew. Now, the, the crew we worked with, the production company, Eureka, say there's 50 of us. 
but 10 of us were really overwhelmed by what we saw. Mm. And it's, they're all the people with kids. So I mm. used to go to the children's hospital a lot. When I was at playing footy, I went a lot. Um, but then when I had my daughter, I didn't go for about 18 months because it just changed. I, I couldn't see it. I mm. could not. I couldn't bear to see it anymore. And that's how, when I was in Africa, just having kids and knowing, um, you know, knowing what your kids have and what your kids don't have and just seeing that firsthand, it was super overwhelming. Mm. Um, and that's why I do, man. I encourage so many people to go to Africa. Like, I would never go to those parts because if I tried to sell Malawi to my wife, I'd say, oh, what's it like there? Yeah, it's not that good. You know, the hotels aren't great. The food's not great. But it's somewhere where I think, I think everyone at some stage of their life should go to Africa because and, it will change your life. And, and, and if possible, like, have a look at your resources mm. and start saying, oh, wow, can I... Can I sponsor a kid? Well, can, that's I, why, can, I, can I start helping? And well, that's why Madonna's taking him, man, because you go there and honestly, you could take one, but like, then yeah. you take one and you're like, I'll take his brother and you take his sister and people go there mm. and the, the kids, it's just, it's it's really overwhelming, man. Mm. It's it's super, and I had no idea a place like this existed. I'm not going to lie to you. And we're so oblivious to it over no, here. No, absolutely. We are, man. We're fairly insular, I, I would say. Yeah, but, but you're right. If you, um, if you are in a position... And you have a platform to help, and and if you're not doing it, man, you're not you're not contributing, in my opinion. So, but I'm excited, mate, for the new uh, series. It was it was a touch and go there at, at some stage. Obviously, not being able to travel overseas. Yeah, look, at, originally we were meant to go in May um, overseas. Meant to start. It was an awesome route. That's why I was a bit disheartened early. We were meant to go to India, Brazil, South America, and then I think even some parts of Europe. And then it changed again in June. Uh, when the when we're in the the thick of the pandemic, and then uh, the last route was, I think, just mainly around South America, and then yeah, and then all all bets were off for a while, and then uh, our team from the Eureka Production started doing a recce and went around Australia and said, you know, we're going to make things work. Uh, they were stuck in in uh, isolation and quarantine twice, once in Darwin for a long time, the EP and and a few a few crew, another time in I think Adelaide which was concerning, and then I don't know how they pulled it together, but we did. We started up the top in the tropics. We did our quarantine, and then we got it done. We went everywhere. I could, I, I, we, we, just, we just stayed ahead of the virus. I mean, when we left Adelaide in the November, back end of November, uh, sorry, middle of November, we were literally two weeks in front of it. Um, we beat it through Queensland, um, all through the middle of the country, which they haven't seen many, well, it, pretty much no cases, but... Looking back, I've got no idea how we got it done, but being in the bubble helped, and also a lot of the places and communities we visited have, like I said, have had zero to nil, zero to, you know, slim, maybe one case um, at the top end, I think, in that we've recorded, but in the middle, there's been none, and down the bottom in Adelaide, until we left, there was none as well. You mentioned, though, uh, you know, obviously they were disappointed not to go overseas, but when I spoke to my in-laws, and I told them that you were doing Australia, they were just... You know, because every six months they're off somewhere in Australia and they just go, Australia, it's the best country in the world and sometimes we don't see our own backyard. Yeah, and that's the thing. A lot of people have asked me, I oh, know, how's it going to change? How different is it going to look because of COVID? I mean, we had all tests every day in quarantine, then weekly, and then obviously temperature tests. And then if you felt uncomfortable, you'll put in your own quarantine inside our bubble. But our country, I've travelled a lot around the world, as you know, but I haven't travelled much in Australia. Been Obviously, through footy, been around, but... Our, the show is going to look – it looks better than last year. Considering we were in the Northern Hemisphere last year, we went to, uh, you know, all through Asia, Africa, down the bottom, uh, parts of China, 
and then back in Australia. Considering we couldn't travel overseas, I was worried how the show would look. Um, but at the two months we were away, the landscapes we saw, um, the people we saw, the colours we got, the, the conditions, we got brutal conditions up the top, the humidity, and then down the bottom it was icy cold, we saw the snow. Uh, but our country is... There was last year, there's probably, I told you, this last time, when, when I did this um, chat with you last time, I remember there was about two or three wow moments. I had one in the desert, one in Africa, and oh, a couple in Africa, and then obviously when we come through the slums of Asia. But I reckon at least once a day, when we got to the middle of the country and up the top and then come back down through Tasmania, at, le- at least once a day, I was looking at the crew around me and just saying, wow. Oh, you know, some of the places down in Tasmania... It looks like where they film Lord of the Rings. The the forest is it's breathtaking. And then within an hour flight, you, you know you're you're in South Australia, and the next thing you're in the middle of the country, and it's just it's hard to explain. Wild animals everywhere. The people are brilliant, and I can't wait. It's it's I can't wait for people to see it. It's some of my favourite work. Channel Ten, they they're going hard with publicity, and uh, you know they do a great job with the show. But casting's a big thing. Like, can you give us a you know, I, can't, I know you can't give too much away, but oh, can. can we watch it? Oh, good, good. <laughs> now, our casting, we, we've released, you know, a few of the cast uh, names and where they're from, but the important thing last year was cast so well, the diversity. But not only that, we've got people from all different backgrounds, religions, cultures, which is super important because Sydney, I mean, Sydney is Australia. You know, Western Sydney, it's full, it's a melting pot. It's full of people from all over the world. And it was super important to me that we went there and we did spend a few days there. But not only representing different cultures, we have African people in it, Filipino, um, different, different parts, people from the north, people from the south, um, all different colours, um, all different sizes, islanders. But the important thing is to tick off each, which I didn't think about till this year, is tick off each destination in Australia. So every city is represented, whether it's you know Perth or even Broome. Uh, or the NT, or, or obviously Queensland and Sydney, then there's Western Sydney, um, Melbourne, then there's country, Victoria. Every state is represented, and that's what I want to do. People, people should you know, follow their if – you, if you identify with someone in your background or belief system or whatever, yeah, follow their journey. But, like, we have a pair from Wollongong who, who people from Wollongong will relate to. We've got a, um, people from down in Melbourne, Shepparton, up the coast, Cairns. Gold Coast girls, we've ticked every box, so there's something in it for everyone. And I think when you watch the show, people can relate to people doing the challenges or crying and laughing, and that's what's so good about it. We've ticked every box, not only with cultures but also with cities in Australia. Just quickly, mate, I know you. Uh, I'm not going to say you have ADD, but look, look, mm. you, <laughs> yeah, you might have. <laughs> How did you handle the quarantine? Not good. Not good. I mean, we're away for two months, and I've been away for a month twice before for TV, and I've been away, obviously, playing footy, you know how hard it is, but with kids, it's a different story, especially with young kids. But quarantine, I was reading something the other day about when you go to jail and they put you in in the isolation room, what's it called, when they chuck you in the uh, Solitary. solitary confinement, and I think the maximum you can be in there is for two weeks because something happens in the human brain being surrounded by four walls after two weeks. And that happened to me after about two minutes. When I was in that room, um, I had windows, which probably made it worse, if I'm going to be honest. I had no balcony. I think the balcony, if anyone's ever done quarantine and you've had a balcony, you've been blessed because it's something about getting out of those four walls. 
Uh, once you can escape that, you know, they, it feels like they're caving in. And I think the problem for me is most people quarantine after they've they've travelled, so they know they're going home or to work or to see their family. But to quarantine at the start, it really broke me. Hey, the first couple of weeks, I know a few of our teams are broken. As you'll see, EP1, last year we did a week in Korea, not quarantine, but it was isolation. This year we did two weeks quarantine before we started. So people are like, why would they sprint to their bags and why would they run to the boat and why would they sprint down the beach? Because we've been locked up, literally cooped up for two weeks. And I know as the host I was broken and I got the um, five-star treatment. I can't imagine how the teams – I mean, everyone was treated well, but still, they had each other, but, you know, no phones. They, did, they had no phones. No, no access to internet at all. No TV. Um, and don't underestimate what that does just for your mind to keep you busy. So – I think one day I did 12,000 steps just in the room. I just laps around the bed, laps around the bed. Had no uh, rooms. You, you get room service, but you got no uh, people making up the bed and visitation because of the quarantine. So I reckon I cleaned my shower four times a day. Um, and then I'd try and dirty it just to give myself work for the next day. But quarantine was hard. I'm not built for quarantine. I'm, I'm an outdoors person, man. I'm getting I'm getting anxious sitting in here in this room with you. So, so, so you know, obviously there's been a... Conjecture about the tennis players at the moment. Yeah. Happening. You could probably sympathise a little. Again, I can't. I mean, the te- I haven't really looked right into it, but the tennis players, I mean, I get it. They're travelling from overseas, and all of our cases are from overseas. Let's let's get real. The northern suburbs, outbreak, and, and being able to see Australia like I have, COVID is obviously rife, or was when we were travelling in Sydney and in Melbourne, but the rest of Australia is as per. Everyone is carrying on, whether it's lunching or schooling or partying everything is um, you know as normal which it should be um but it is worrying that people are coming from overseas but these you gotta remember these these tennis players they're here to perform for us like they're putting on a show they're pumping money into the economy and i see a few of them losing the plot and I, i guess no one tells the joke or anyone what to do but i saw him on his balcony at least he had a balcony i saw him on channel 10 this morning talking to a reporter but um I don't know how they do it. Like it was, I, I was sore on that after quarantine. You're laying in the room, you're stretching, but to go out there and perform on the big stage, I think it brings some of those big guys back to the field, which is probably good. Mate, before we we, we could keep talking forever, but I, I I really appreciate your time. I know you've got a family to get back to, but before we finish, we have a little segment called True or False. So you're you going to tell me a story. I've got to decide whether it's true or not, and then I'll do the same for you. All right. Do you want me to go first? We, you, would you like to? All right, I'll tell you something just happened to me. So I um, have been doing this renovation on my home for about a year. It means a lot to me. And my front lawn, I've spent about four grand on it. Now, I've got an underlay on it because I want to park on it. I've got grass on it. I've got everything there so that it's equipped to have cars on it, utes on it, you know, and, 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 we can, and it looks good. Now, last week, they're building seven units across the road from my house. How good. They've come over to me and they've said, and they've come over to me, the builder, and he said, look, mate, the main sewer for this street is, the new is under your front lawn. Oh, no. I said, I said, no worries, mate, have a good day. He said, no, no, no. We need to put this attachment, and there's this massive round concrete thing on your sewer, under the sewer. I said, what's that for? And he said, oh, it needs to divert the waste because we've got seven houses here. And I was like, well, you know, what do you want me to do? And he said, we need to, we need to dig it up. We'll be here next Wednesday to dig it up. Okay, no worries. So I see him, this is on Monday, I see him on Monday. He said, mate, sorry, it won't be Wednesday, it'll be Thursday, which is today. No worries. So this morning I come out and there's a digger 
out the front of my house. And he said, mate, we're going to have to dig it up. And I had no idea how far they were going to get it. He goes, we need to go one metre and a half down, two metres long, and then we'll patch it. I said, mate, I have spent so much money on this lawn. I've got the grid under it. You're not doing it. He said, mate, we're digging in one hour. I said, you wait, wait one second. Pull my phone out. Because the ring, council owns that, don't council owns it. So I ring the mayor. Luckily, I know the mayor, right? I have a long chat to the mayor. <laughs> what do you say? And let's just say they didn't there'll dig. be no digging at my house. <laughs> I'm going to say that's true. Could it's, you, false. it's false. They're digging right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're digging right now. You come up there, the biggest hole I've ever seen. Could do nothing. <laughs> I generally thought because they are doing you. I know they are doing those houses next to you, and I know, I know they uh, they've been there for ages. Uh, oh, that's funny! You got me. You got me. They are digging. That's Big, oh, yeah, and bro, they said, when they said a meter. And again, you weigh that against the people in Africa. Let's uh, put it in perspective. And you know what? It's a bit. It's a bit of grass. I said, you know what? Take what you can. Just make sure you patch it up. <laughs> well, when I was younger, uh, my story is that um, we, we we had this blue cattle dog, which now I realise should have been on a farm, not in a suburban. Uh, house in uh, Brighton, Lisans, but it used to. It, it just had a thing for motorcycles. It'd like jump over fences and just attack the the wheels of motorcycles. And I was at the front once, and I saw a motorcycle, and I, I said, "Oh, my heart started to go." You know, I'm only ten years old, and and it and it ran after this. Mo- it knocked the motorcycle guy off his off his yeah off his motorcycle. And just at, and he's there lying on the floor, and then my brother comes out, and he goes, "What happened?" And the motorcycle guy gets up, and I just pointed to my brother, like it's his dog. My brother, he grabbed himself and ran, jumped over our fence, and dislocated his shoulder. Really? True or false? I'm going to say false. It's true. Really? <laughs> I gave my brother. How old I just was pointed you? to my brother. <laughs> and what happened to the guy? He's all right. He was all right. Yeah, so he was actually quite nice in the end, but he he was a bikey and he had the beard and he wow. just, you know, he looked like he had bodies in his backyard. There's no doubt about that. And your brother, and he dislocated his shoulder. My brother dislocated his shoulder. And old mate guy. stuck the bike and he's fine. He stuck the and he was fine about it. Didn't didn't charge, didn't do anything. But wow. honestly, mate, this blue cattle dog, it was what like, what dog? are we doing with a blue Where cattle is in the, the end? Dog? He died in the there, end yeah, on the farm. It could yeah, something happened to him, and we weren't that unhappy about it. And I do love dogs. <laughs> but it was, every time there's a motorcycle, it was like, <laughs> Bowie. Thanks so much, mate, thanks for coming for over. Me. Lots of love, mate. Because I know you've been asked a lot to do this stuff, and I really appreciate your time. And oh, good man, you're such a great talent. Thanks for having me, brother. Well, thanks, Bo, for coming on the Spirit of Sport. It was so great to have you, mate, and uh, all the best with the amazing race. It looks very, very exciting, and all the best with you your family and all your other endeavours as well. And thanks again, everyone, for listening. If you missed out uh, tonight, of course, uh, we're on 5.30am to 7am, of course, every Sunday morning if you get up early like I do. And then also you can go to the 1170 SEN app and go to catch-ups or we're on 2CH Digital as well. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks again for listening. It's going to be a good week. Believe that. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com. I'm Jason Stevens. I'm out.